Pastor, I want to thank you again for the opportunity to stand before you all uh, this evening and uh, bring God's word. I trust that what we will be saying will be, of course, a great encouragement to you and a help and, and a blessing. And uh, this is, uh, these are some thoughts that I've been thinking about for some time. And, and if you would, please, uh, let's uh, start out by opening our Bibles to the book of Romans. Uh, the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. Romans chapter 1. You know, I was thinking, um, if this were the last message that I would have the opportunity to preach, I thought, you know, what would it be? What would I really want to be sure that I emphasize? And, uh, and, you know, I didn't have to really think about that at all because it just immediately came to me. And that is I would want to preach about the gospel, Amen. the gospel, yes. the message of the gospel about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, because, folks, I mean, let's face it, the gospel is everything. Yes, it's everything for us. Without the gospel... We have no hope. Without the gospel, there is no possibility of being in heaven. Without the gospel, there's no forgiveness of sins. Without the gospel, we'll never see our loved ones again. Without the gospel, uh, there's, we'll, we'll be desperately lost and there'll be no chance for us. There's uh, just nothing. And so the gospel is literally everything for us. And so in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, notice what God's word says. For I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how we thank you tonight that we have this opportunity to be here and Lord to search the scriptures together. I ask Heavenly Father that you would give me the message, you would give me the words, dear Lord Jesus, to encourage and help and challenge us tonight as we look at this subject, the gospel itself. And for all of this, we'll give Jesus the praise. Amen. Well, the title for my message tonight is, I am thankful for the gospel. I am thankful for the gospel. I didn't really know what I was going to title this until last Wednesday. And uh, last Wednesday, I was kind of inspired to uh, maybe change my title or to, to give this uh, idea. And of course, if you were here last uh, Wednesday night, uh, that's basically what the title was for last Wednesday night, too. The gospel. And you know what, folks? The gospel. The gospel. How many times have we sung, I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory. Or how many times have we sung, I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed his name to bear. Or maybe we have sung, we have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. It's so easy to sing it. 
But why is it so hard to say it? You know? Uh, it's so easy to sing it. Oh, how we love to sing it. Oh, yes, we love to sing it. Uh, we stand and sing together. And, and I tell you, singing here at Harvest just always just, just fills my heart. And just such the joy and happiness. And, uh, I, you know, I just, I just like to sing it just as loud as I can. I remember uh, when the kids were growing up and uh, we would visit different churches, you know, and so forth. And uh, they would, uh, of course, we would join in the congregational singing. And, and, of course, I would just bellow away. And, of course, our kids would kind of, you know, dad, you know, dad, you're embarrassing. And, you know, nobody else is singing out like you are. And, uh, and you could be sure there was always people that would turn around, you know, who's this guy, you know, that's singing so loud, you know. And, uh, and more than once, more than once I've had folks come to me afterward and say, hey, uh, would you be interested in being in our choir? I mean, you know. But yeah, we, we love to sing it. We love to sing it. But again, why is it so hard to say it? Why is it so hard to talk about it? We have a life-giving message. And it is. It is a matter of life and death. But how closely does our singing it connect with our telling it? Uh, the world needs the gospel. Families need the gospel. Your co-workers need the gospel. Your friends need the gospel. You know, I was thinking of this the other day. People used to talk about someone being a, a gospel preacher. That's a pretty good thing as far as I'm concerned. To be known for, for anybody, by anybody. Uh, that's what I want to be known for. I want to be known as a gospel preacher. That, that more than anything, what I want to emphasize and what I want to talk about and what I want to share with others is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, another common expression that you used to hear a lot of is people would put it this way, that what I was going to say, oh, it was right there, right there on the very tip of my tongue. Christian, could that be said of you? Wouldn't you like that to be said about you? That the gospel, the message of the gospel is always right there, just right on the very tip of your tongue? That you're ready to talk about the gospel. You're ready to share the gospel. You're ready to ask others about the gospel. I tell you folks, there's no debate about it. And that is the, the message of the gospel is at the forefront of New Testament preaching. You start there in the book of Acts and you just go right on down the line and, and you'll see it was the message of the gospel, the message of the gospel, the message of the gospel. And that is about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is that, why is that such a, an important thing? Why is it such a central thing that you would find them talking about that so much? You know, you look at it, you look at it, 19 books of the New Testament emphasize and talk about the gospel. Other books of the Bible uh, talk about the gospel without actually maybe using the term the gospel. In the book of Romans itself, uh, 13 times, 13 times it talks specifically about the gospel. The book of Galatians talks about it another 11 times. And remember, 
when the disciples of John the Baptist asked Jesus, are you the one or are we to look for another? What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 11 and in verse number 5? Here was the answer that he gave. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You know, down through the years, every once in a while, I've heard a complaint and folks have said, well, uh, that church, this church, whatever church, you know, doesn't feed me. All they do is preach the gospel. And every time I hear that, it just grates on my nerves. I thought, you know what? What could be, what could be better than to hear about the preaching of the gospel? I mean, I don't know anything better to feed on if you're talking about wanting to be fed, to be fed on the message and the story of the gospel. And sometimes I wonder if, if what they're really saying is that they're not talking about the gospel. And so they don't want to hear preaching about the gospel. I just suspect that. We have, we have here in God's word, folks, 66 books of the Bible. And I'm going to tell you, you know what those 66 books are about, either directly or indirectly, or building up to it, or prophesying about it? The gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And so tonight in the time that I have, I want us to look at the gospel, about three things about the gospel that I trust that will build us up in the faith. That I, I want us to be able to look at the challenge of the gospel. I want us to see the choice of the gospel. And then we're going to look at the change of the gospel. Oh, I tell you, we live in a day and a time in which there are just challenges in every direction. I mean, it's a matter of great entertainment in the case of some Sometimes, I mean, we read about great challenges of survival. Sometimes we're about self-improvement. Sometimes all about entertainment. I mean, how many contests are there uh, about challenges of this, challenges of that, or races, or survival shows? Every sort of possible challenge you can find. Some of them very dangerous, some of them life-threatening, some of them very foolish. But oh, yes, there's a challenge of the gospel. And you know that challenge of the gospel is to be able to present the message of the gospel and don't leave out the hard part. Don't leave out the challenging part. You know, folks, I tell you, the word of God teaches us that when we receive Jesus Christ, that when we turn to Jesus Christ, it is a matter of faith and repentance. And you see, my friends, this is why it is so important that we understand this. The challenge about the gospel itself is and that is without repentance. What are you going to repent from if you don't understand the seriousness of the challenge of the gospel? And that is about dealing about sin itself. 
I mean, to accept the challenge, to confess or to agree with what the Lord says when he describes you and I, that is a challenge. And everywhere I go and the people that I talk to, when I talk to them about this challenge, and that is, let's look at the Bible and let's see what the Bible says about you and I. Let's see what the Bible says about all of us. And of course, what does the Bible say about all of us and you and you and you and everybody else that is here tonight? What does God's word say very specifically? We're sinners. We're sinners. And I'm telling you, that's a challenge today. That is a challenge today. Uh, I mean, nobody wants to talk about sin. Nobody wants to talk about being a sinner. No, no, instead, you know what we hear? I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. No, we're not all okay, okay? And, and God's eyes before a holy and a righteous God, uh, we're not okay. We're lost. We're lost. We, we're undone. We are without hope. We are a sinner in God's eyes. We are under the condemnation. We are under the judgment of God. And that is not a popular message today. That's the challenge. To get people to realize. To get people to see what God says about it. And, and, and that's why we need salvation. It's because we are sinners. I mean, people are going to not want to hear that message. The vast majority of people that you meet in everyday life, they're not going to like it. They will criticize you. They will accuse you as being a person of hate. You will be called all sorts of names. That I'll be honest with you, up until five years ago, I never heard of some of these words before. But now I said, oh, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. No, I'm just speaking the truth. We speak the truth in love. Of course we do. But, oh, yes, the challenge associated with the gospel. And I've had people come right up and tell me, I don't believe I'm a sinner. I don't sin. I don't sin. You know, they say, well, I haven't shot anybody. You know, I haven't robbed any banks. Yeah, I haven't kidnapped anybody. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Well, I'm not a sinner. Bible says that even the plowing of the wicked is sin because it's not done in faith. It's not done to honor God. Let's look and see what else the Bible says. And, and again, most folks don't want to read this. They don't want to hear it. Let's turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, starting there in verse number 9. Not very complimentary words about us and describing us. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 9. God's word says this. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. There is none righteous. None that are innocent. None that are right in the eyes of God. No, not one. How much plainer can it be than that? None. No, 
not one. Verse number 11, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Uh, uh, listen to this. Uh, they are, in verse number 12, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Verse number 13. Oh, boy, you're talking about compliments. Uh, this is not very complimentary. Their throat is an open sulpicar. You know what a sulpicar is, don't you? It's a grave. It's a grave. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth, verse 14, is full of cursing and bitterness. Verse number 15, their feet are swift to shed blood. Think about that for a little bit. Think about that a little bit. Verse number 16, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. And catch this one, verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. I told you it's a challenge. It's a challenge because it's not complimentary at all. You see, this is why we need faith turning to Christ but also repentance, turning away from what we know to be our sin. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. You, you know that. I am not perfect, not by a long shot. You're not perfect, okay? But, but we need to realize and we need to accept this challenge that when we talk to somebody, it's more, listen, becoming a Christian is not like picking a new vacation spot, you know. Where are you going to go? Well, I'm, hey, let's go to heaven, you know. That's the attitude I think of a lot of, pope, a lot of people, you know. Yeah, let's go to heaven. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Well, are you willing to leave your sin behind? Are you willing to repent as a sinner? You know, hey, that's what God, I mean, you know something? As I, you know, I watch the news sometimes, and I wish I hadn't. But you know, I, I do, I honestly, I genuinely, I feel bad for some of these community leaders who are all concerned, and citizens meet, and they rally, and they march, they do their fundraisers. We are going to find a solution to this violence. And you know, I feel so bad for them because they really do want to find an answer. They want to find what can we do? What can we do? What can they do? What can they do? I mean, uh, many cities in our land, uh, the, the murders are going up and up and up and up and they seek a solution and they can't find one. Why? Because the problem is the heart. It's the heart. Roman, remember Romans 3.18 there is no fear of God in before their eyes the challenge of the gospel are you willing to accept what God says about the heart about your heart about my heart of an unregenerate human being it's not nice it's not nice. Now, that doesn't mean God is not a God of awesome, unbelievable, unfathomable love and mercy. But, folks, here's what you've got to know. God does not overlook one sin. Not one. 
Not one. The challenge of the gospel. You talk to many today about their need of salvation. Oh, everyone is happy when it's about being a better person. Find peace and security. Find yourself surrounded by the love and the grace of God. And those things, of course, are wonderful. But when you let them know that they need salvation because they have sinned against a holy and a righteous God who, again, does not overlook one single solitary sin, they look at you like you're speaking gibberish. Humanity has just about abandoned all thoughts of the holiness of God. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Joshua chapter 5 and verse number 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went after him, went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Turns out it was the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 14, and he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And in verse 15, And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Oh, yes. Yes. God is concerned. It's, this is important. This is a big deal. The challenge of the gospel. I remember when we were in South Carolina and our two oldest, uh, Steve and Stephanie, our daughter, and um, I stopped at a gas station convenience store. Back in those days, you paid for your gasoline afterwards, after you pumped it, you know. You don't do that anymore today, you know. But uh, I went in and, uh, I don't know, the gasoline was $10.28 or so, something like that. And uh, so I just took cash out, you know, put it there on the counter. And I had some change. And so I, you know, and, and I had three pennies. And I, and I, you know, put it down the quarter, you know, and so forth and so on. And right away, the clerk behind the counter, he looked up me with beady eyes. He said, if you want to pay for that gas, buddy, he said, you give me real money. Just like that. I said, pardon me? He said, you give me real money. He said, that's not real money. And he took the Canadian penny and flipped it at me. You know, I thought, wow, this guy's really serious. He really worked up about this thing, you know. I mean, I was used to being around here. I mean, you know, Canadian pennies, nickels, and dimes and whatever, you know, went back and forth, you know, and so forth. But I tell you what, to him, it was a big deal. He got worked up about that, really worked up about that. And, uh, well, folks, I tell you, the fact of the matter is some people can get real worked up about a lot of things. But are you able to accept this challenge, the challenge of the gospel today?
Are you willing to confess? You know that word confess just basically means to agree with. Agree with what the Lord says about your sin, about my sin, the sin of your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your, uh, those you work with. Uh, I, I said the challenge of the gospel. There is a choice of the gospel and there is the change of the gospel because there is something else that you must consider and that is the choice. You must choose. You know, when it comes to receiving Christ, you just can't hope to run the clock out, you know. You can't ride on someone else's coattails. There is a Savior who is patiently waiting, a Savior who calls and speaks to all. God's Word tells us in Romans chapter 1 that no one will be able to stand before God with an excuse for not choosing We look at that message and we want to ask, how can that be? But you know, folks, we don't live in that context. Uh, In our context of gospel knowledge, Romans chapter 1 teaches us that even creation shows us this so much about what will lead a person to hearing about Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you look at Pentecost, that message of the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ went in all four directions. It went south. It went north. It went east. And it went west. You and I, we have been blessed with the westerly direction of the gospel. As the gospel message went west, Folks told it and told it and told it and told it and told it. It crossed the ocean to our country and told it and told it and told it. But as those that should have taken it more east did not. Those who could have taken it more north did not. Those who could have taken it to the south did not. We we read in church history, we see where there's some, there are some who did. There are some places where the Lord blessed, but sooner or later it was cut off. It was stopped. But that message is still there. It is still there, fragmentary and and in small areas. But that message is there. And choosing which way you are going to is spread all throughout the word of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse number 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Oh, how many times in life have we said or others have said, I had no choice. I had to do this. Or I couldn't have done it because I didn't know. But when it comes to doing right, Christian, you always, you always have a choice. Revelation chapter 3. Oh, such a sweet verse of invitation. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You know, I've had well-meaning folks take me to task at applying that verse about an invitation for sinners to come to Christ. I've been told, you're taking that verse out of context, preacher. 
That verse is directed to the church about fellowship with Christ. And sometimes some people get all worked up about that. And, and you are right, that is how it is first directed. But it is teaching us a general principle. And that is our heart is as a door. And Jesus Christ wants to enter in. You know, the English artist, Holman Hunt, he attempted to put this on canvas. He pictured Christ standing at a door. And when he first painted the picture, he invited his artist friends uh, to evaluate his painting. And one of them said to him, Holman, you have left off a very important part of the door. You left off the handle of the door. And of course, that brilliant, famous artist said, this door is a picture of the human heart. And the handle of the door is on the inside. This is the picture of Christ that we have in the book of Revelation. He stands at the door and knocks. He will not crash the door down. He is a gentleman. He will not barge his way in. He knocks very gently. And I believe the word of God teaches that he knocks on every human heart in some form or some way so that no one can stand before God and say, I did not have a chance. He knocks and he knocks. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Oh, what fellowship that we can have with Jesus. And of course, lastly, there is the change that accompanies the gospel. Folks, do you see a change taking place in your life? You know, once in a while I talk to somebody and they'll say, you know, preacher, I was saved so young. I, I don't remember a big change. And I can understand that. But you know, that's not really the issue. The issue is, do you see a change taking place? Do you see a change taking place now? Do you have a desire? Do you have a want to? Do you see the importance and the necessity of that change? Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So remember this. The change factor is something that never goes away. Can you honestly say that you can see a changed life or do you see a changing life? That's the important thing. As Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, If ye be been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. Tonight, my friends, where are your affections set on? The challenge, the choice, the change of the gospel.